This is Raw Cut. Welcome to Life Bursts. I'm Matt. And I'm Sarah. On today's show, what has this rough old footy got to do with our guests? Yes, welcome to Life Bursts. And today we are interviewing Brett. Thank you, Brett, for coming in today. Thanks for having me in. Brett, uh, as we do each show, take us back, tell us a bit about your life, but let's start at the beginning. Where'd life start out for you? So, I was born in Adelaide. My father, his, some of his descendants, uh, he was a descendant from um, one of the people that came on the clipper ship that's been out at Port Adelaide over the last few years. Right. If you've noticed that big giant old mm-hmm. wooden ship there, okay. yeah. the one that got taken back from Scotland. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, his family's been here for many generations. And my grandmother was a 10-pound pom. Mm-hmm. Okay. And my grandfather was Polish, is Polish, and uh, he came here um, due to the war and came here for uh, a better life here in Australia. Right. Okay. So. That sounds like a very big mix of different things. Rich heritage there. Yeah. 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 So... Uh, your your entry into the world, uh, you were living living in the suburbs of Adelaide? Yes, so uh, most of my life I spent in the inner northern suburbs of Adelaide, Re- reached out to the uh, northeastern suburbs and uh, now spending a lot more time where the studio is in the, in the Adelaide Hills. Great. So you tell us, what was life like growing up in the suburbs of Adelaide? Adelaide is the capital city of South Australia here in Australia as well, for those people who don't know. Tell us what life was like. Uh, I had a very nice upbringing. Uh, had great parents and and uh, lots of things to do. I loved my sport, so I, I played lots of sport growing up. Um, I loved these little Japanese things called Pokemon. Pokemon. So that was a, uh, a TV show and a video game and a card game. And uh, I found out recently that uh, the uh, Pokemon cards that I've been collecting for uh, as a child uh, are worth a fair bit more money than I anticipated. Okay. Well, and you've even brought some in today. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, so, you know, show us. Show us these. Uh, then we can take them home. Oh, things of great value. <laughs> So, so this is, yeah, the uh, the cards Gotta there. Catch them all. And uh, so, for those listening, Brett's brought in his album, opened it up. There are a whole lot of cards there. Mm. Pretty well. These are like the footy cards for people who are kind of not so much into footy or alongside <laughs> like football. You got footy cards too. <laughs> I know yeah, my I've, kids. My kids have got a whole bunch of these too, but uh, perhaps not quite as, as valuable as some of these. I think uh, these sort of sparked my interest because I really like animals. These are basically just made-up animals, and they uh, they fight and and combats and and all that sort of stuff. And you go on a journey and all that sort of thing. So this one is the first three complete sets of Pokemon. Complete sets, okay. So that adds value having the complete set. Yes. Let's have a look. So when you finished? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and there's one card there that I've got two copies of. Charizard that I just checked this morning and they were selling for about five hundred to a thousand bucks on eBay. So okay, wow, all right. Nice. Well, you can just leave that with us. That'll be fine. No so, bes- so besides liking animals and going on adventures and whatever, why is Pokemon something that sparks your interest out of everything else? 
of everything else. Yeah. Uh, well, I really liked sport and I quite liked video games and this was the biggest thing going at the time. Mm. And uh, yeah, there's there a few other things going like Ninja Turtles and quite like that. But uh, Pokemon definitely had the complete set. You had the cards that you could play with and battle each other with the cards at school or at home and your friends and a TV show. And, and you could even get the old Game Boy out. If uh, any of those 90s kids remember what the Game Boys are, they were pretty fun. And run around and, uh, and catch all the Pokemon. What's your favourite Pokemon? <laughs> My favourite Pokemon would be Squirtle which is one that you start with at the very start of the game. Okay. Because my favourite animal is a turtle. Oh, and uh, okay. and Squirtle's a pretty mean little animal Pokemon. And what, do, what does Squirtle do? Uh, so he generally shoots water at people. Okay. But uh, more often he's shooting water at Pokemon. They actually are firefighters in the TV series. So all the little Squirtles are around and put out all the fires. <laughs> there and, you go. Uh, and... And he does things like uh, Skull Bash, so he like runs into uh, runs into the other Pokemon head first. Uh-huh. Oh, so they just battle each other and they all have different abilities and stuff. Well, and... So you're, you're talking to, like you don't know anything about yeah, well, I know. Well, that's I'm trying to educate people who <laughs> might not know anything. People that born in my generation know what <laughs> Yes, I know it that. Is a, it is a whole other world, isn't it? My children were just watching an episode the other day and there's one character, I can't remember the name, that uh, everyone bursts into tears when it's around. Um, and it was just funny to watch this. Everyone was crying. And they go, oh, yeah, there must be. So yeah. anyway, I can see see the love for it. No, they're quite funny. Yeah. There was another one that's uh, called Jigglypuff. It was a little round pink ball. And uh, used to have a little microphone. And every time it sang, everyone was fell asleep. <laughs> okay. Always got very annoyed because uh, it liked singing and no one listened to its music because he was always making them fall asleep. Fall asleep. Okay. So he got the microphone was actually a little permanent marker. So... Jigglypuff would go around and mark everyone's faces afterwards with texter. So after there you everyone go. fell asleep. See, we're here to educate you, our listeners. Uh, <laughs> as you enter the world of Pokemon, and it is a whole other world. And so that was one part of your life. You said you had footy cards as well, and you were into sport. Mm, so, yeah, it's uh, a football card. Tell us about your, your early uh, sporting career. Yeah, so uh, I've got a football here. Mm. I uh, played a lot of football growing up. This is the football that I got for my 13th birthday. So I played sport at school, any sport, every sport, basketball, soccer, football, everything like that. And um, I was a scout growing up as well. So I went from a a joey to a cub to a scout. And uh, when I was 12, I actually decided I wanted to play, uh, you know, on the weekends. So I played football on the weekends for a couple of years. Um, And this is what I got when I first started playing football for a club. From mum and dad, a very well used. Well, yes. this was brand new. Yeah, had no marks on it. But this is uh, this is about fifteen years later. It's taken a beating. Yeah, played with this. Uh, this is a Burley football, not a Sharon, because that's what they used in the South Australian National Football League, right, rather right. than the AFL. And, uh, I was and a big was... supporter of the the Central Districts Football Club. That was a football that I was holding up before at the beginning. Yes, to show to for people. Yeah, so football was the sport of choice, was the thing you were most into. Did you play other sports as well on the side? Yeah, I played pretty much every sport at school. Right. Um, soccer was another big one as well. Um, but, yeah, any any sport I could get my hands on, even riding my push bike. Um, I was very, very active, and uh, and I was very active for a long time until uh, early in high school. 
uh, had an injury that set in. So that was pretty difficult. Yeah, let's jump back a bit. Did you have any brothers or sisters growing up? Uh, yes, yes. Got an older brother. He's five years older than me. So uh, we used to have a lot of fun together and play and and uh, and fight a lot as uh, as siblings do. But uh, yeah, that was uh, really good growing up with brother with my brother. Had uh, a lot of very similar interests. Right. Okay. Always played sport after school and. And everything like that, and had a few kids down the road that came and played with us, so usually made some good teams. So a five-year gap, that's significant, but you still had common interests, you were still able to get along pretty well for the most part, as brothers do. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much for the most part. You always fight as brothers, mm. especially when you're growing up, but uh, uh, yeah, we had a lot of fun, and and uh, I always had to try my very hardest to, to win at things, because he was obviously a little older than me, but... I think that, uh, that played a, a big role in in the fact why I'm probably so determined and persistent in my adult life. Mm. Well, we will come back to hear more of Brett's story here on Life Burst with Matt and Sarah straight after this. If you like what you're hearing, please write a review of this podcast on your podcasting app or you can share this on social media. Welcome back to Life Bass with Matt and Sarah. We're chatting with Brett today, and uh, this is definitely an interview that you need to check out online or on community television on our Facebook or our YouTube channel because there are so many items that Brett has brought in to share with us today, including this next one that you have. Yeah, look at this. What is this? So this is my scout uniform. Okay, your shirt. Yeah, and uh, got a few badges on here and got the, the special red cord. Uh, this is a jamboree um, badge right at the top corner here mm-hmm. that, um, that basically involves scouts from all around Australia and uh, some come internationally to uh, and have a big camp for almost two weeks. So mm-hmm. that was a once-in-a-lifetime experience. That was amazing through wow. scouts. And I've got some badges over here. So how you know, do you get these Badges that you're talking about for those who don't know how scouts work. Uh, this one is uh, basically to do with camping. It's got like a tent, how to put up tents, set up a fire. Um, yeah. We were sea scouts, so we learnt how to sail. Yeah, right. And uh, tie knots, like pirates, I guess. <laughs> Does that mean he can tie down a trailer really good? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> should, should do. He's got his bag. And I had to do a clove hitch, which is a pretty much the most important one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like bushcraft and um, first aid and yeah, a few things like that. And some pitch badges and how to start and put out a fire. So pretty good stuff when when you're a kid. Yeah, you useful. Learn a lot of things that uh, that you can take with you for a long time. And how many years were you going through all of the different levels uh, you spoke of earlier? Yeah, so I think Joey's go from five to seven, and then Cubs goes until ten years of age, approximately, or twelve. Anyway, I finished when I was about um, thirteen, uh, just after the the jamboree because I wanted to do that. That was an amazing experience. And, and then, where was uh, the jamboree held this year? Uh, so the jamboree that I went to was in Elmore, which is not too far from Bendigo. Okay, in, in Victoria. Uh, in Victoria. Okay. And uh, I drove drove a car for the first time there, so that was mm-hmm. that was quite good. And I went in an aeroplane, so a, a scenic flight in an aeroplane. 
um had some amazing obstacle courses and and uh yeah met a lot of people and so it was, it was quite good really yeah. good had even saw the uh the rogue traders and uh guy sebastian okay um actually played at the jamboree so some pretty big names there yeah wow this is huge yeah it's a massive thing to have those guys there yeah so a big part of your life um and some really significant practical skills there and and a, and a lot would you say a lot of uh things are owed to your time with the scouts yeah i think a lot of my uh determination and resilience also comes from the scouts uh, a lot of time camping and you're out in the cold or when you're in a uh, a sailboat and you got to get to the end or you're in the in the rowing boat in the uh what we call regattas oh, yes. so it's a big meet um usually out at lake bonnie in uh, uh riverland murraylands mm. riverland, yeah. riverland yeah um and we all compete against each other over the course of a few days so mm. um yeah, it was it was a good time growing up, and and uh, but then I really really wanted to uh, get into competitive sports, so that's what I did. Okay, just one last question: the red cord you mentioned, but what does the red cord mean that's found on your uh, your shirt here? Uh, basically, it means you got a certain amount of badges and a certain amount of um, you had to do a certain criteria thing. So it's basically. A culmination of acquiring badges and uh yeah i can't remember exactly what i did to get it but i'd have to go have a look um but uh it's basically a culmination of all, all a gold star things. on top of basically, all the others yeah fantastic. basically yeah if you got like five badges or or something like that you're able to get it well yeah well done so you moved on to sport uh or you were doing sport alongside all of this but you hmm. you gave a focus to sport uh, later on, mm. uh, and that was footy. Yeah, so played football all the time. Uh, started playing for uh, Broadview in the inner northern suburbs uh, in under thirteens, and played uh, quite a good season at under thirteens, and uh, and played uh, my first game under fourteens, and uh, got halfway through the game, very start of the third quarter. And uh, I was kicking the football, and I was just on my left leg, and the right leg was in the air as I was kicking the ball, and someone tackled me from behind, and they uh, they basically put all their weights on my left leg, hyperextended my leg, and tore my ACL, mm. which is a ligament Ow. that runs um, basically right through the middle of your knee and attaches to the top of your shin bone. Mm. You were like 14. Yes. Mm. Wow. Pain. That's intense. And you're growing and everything, and then you had an injury. So does that mean it's just like you just went in and got it all fixed up and replaced, or did you have to wait because you were growing? Uh, yes, that's that's basically exactly right. Okay. Um, I was quite tall for my age. I was the third or fourth tallest in the team, and I was quite good, so I ended up playing Ruckman and full forward. Um, and uh, basically... I uh, went to a GP and they were unsure of what had happened. They assumed that it wasn't really much going on. Um, and I went back and played football a couple of weeks later and my coach noticed I was not running correctly and something was going on. But uh, typical me, what's to push on and keep playing? Okay, so you kept um, on. So uh, I went to a proper medical sports doctor and 
and they knew straight away what was going on. Uh, but uh, because I was growing, they basically said that uh, I needed to wait for a bit longer for more to grow because once they do the surgery, they actually drill through the bones in your leg. And once that's done, um, your growth is stunted. Mm. So they waited for uh, all up. By the time I'd rehabbed my injury, it was it was probably close to two and a half years. Wow. Um, basically not playing sport, which is the thing I love doing yeah. as, as a kid all the time. And even after doing the surgery, uh, it's not it's not the same coming back from an injury right right away. Obviously, spending that type much time away from sport um, and not playing and your fitness and and your strength and that sort of stuff uh, uh, diminishes if you if you're not playing for a while. So mm. it took a took a long time to to get good again, but uh, even then that was a a pretty significant injury to have in those years when. You're really trying to uh, develop yourself as a footballer, and uh, I mean, I was I was quite good. I was playing, um, you know, I was one of the best players in the team, easily, and uh, and uh, yeah, I I don't think I'd be playing AFL level, but uh, I really think that I could be playing a, at the at the state level right. or or in a country club or or something like that um, if I had the had the rights. Um, Conditions, I think. Yeah. So this pretty much just ruined any type of footy dream that you had to play AFL. Yeah, to play AFL, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Um. Even now, it's uh, I'm I'm playing sport still. Um, I've played football. I've had a few injuries playing football since. Um. So yeah, it's been pretty difficult. I've been playing soccer, which is not quite as rough as football um and that's been quite good but uh yeah that's mm. just what happens you know i don't think that was my that obviously wasn't my plan wasn't uh wasn't in god's plan for uh for me to do that so how did you as a 14 year old cope initially mm. did you find you were did suddenly you weren't able to do those things so did your friendships change did you yeah uh, your motivation for life change for a bit there did you yeah what were some of the things you went through that were yeah all were my, difficult all my friends played sport mm. so uh, uh they went out and played sport and and i socialized with whoever wasn't playing sport mm. anymore which is almost nobody um, so yeah, I made some other friendship groups and, and, uh, you just deal with it, yeah. I suppose. That's just, that's what, what you do. I, uh, I suppose I played more, uh, more video games and, and, uh, than I normally would other things that I was interested in, but you know. Yeah. What about your parents? What, what were your parents doing during this time throughout your teenage years? Uh, so dad, Worked uh, selling car parts. He had his own business. Um, Mum worked um, in an office. And, you know, I couldn't really ask much more from them. Uh, They're very supportive then. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't really ask much more. They they didn't really, they couldn't really do a lot. Um, But what they could do, they did. Uh, Dad came with all my appointments. He was a bit more flexible because... 
Um, he had his own business, so he put time aside to take me to all my appointments and things like that. And yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, we will come back after this, after a short break, here to hear more of Brett's life story. This is Life Bursts with Matt and Sarah. <laughs> Hey, did you know this show is available in video too? You can find it at rawcut.com.au. Thanks for joining us here on Life Bursts uh, with Sarah and Matt as we're chatting to Brett. Uh, Brett, you uh, had this injury. You were forced into two and a half years of rehabilitation. You had to find some other things to do, other hobbies, other focuses. What what did you find to do in those teenage years uh, as, as extra interests? So uh, I mentioned earlier that my dad uh, ran a car parts business. Mm -hmm. So there was always um, interesting cars in our driveway. Uh, they were for American Motors Corporation okay. um, and Ramblers and Studebakers, which are American, um, a little lesser known American cars uh, that were actually assembled here for a long time. Uh, unfortunately, they went out of business in the late 80s. Um, at least AMC did. Uh, so uh, they're not not very well known compared to your uh, your Chevrolet Camaros and your Ford Mustangs and things like that, but they still produced a lot of very interesting cars. So growing up, cars was, cars was big, mm. love cars. Um, so I sort of pursued that interest a lot more as well. Um, got into motorsport and, uh, and I bought a couple of, uh, interesting Japanese cars. It's uh, I like driving around and and still have a a couple of them now that uh, that I uh, enjoy taking to the racetrack and and having a bit of fun with. Mm. Okay, yeah. talk to us about schooling and bring in your cars to that too, because I'm sure they come into that by the sounds of it. schooling in my cars. Bring yeah, the school, bring the cars. To yeah, school. did you? What was your first car? A very very boring car. Okay. What was it? I had a Toyota Camry. Okay. Which is probably the most boring car you could possibly have. <laughs> Sorry um, to Camry owners out there. No, my brother has one of them. Yes. If you're, if you're into cars, it wasn't your first choice. They are uh, reliable and that's about it. Okay. <laughs> so uh, it was cheap and uh, I wanted a car pretty quickly. So I just got that and I was quite happy to drive around in that. For about a year, I uh, kept it standard apart from putting some big speakers in it because I really like listening to music quite loud, especially as a teenager. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then uh, uh, after about a year, I saved up and got a Nissan Silvia, and uh, uh, that was that's quite a special car. Um, if you're a car person, you you know exactly what that is. Um, it's a, a four seat, very small car, rear wheel drive, um, manual, uh, two liter. And uh, they're very well known in the drifting scene. Okay. Uh, obviously, it had to be a non-turbo because you would have been on your P's. I was quite upset <laughs> okay. when I was on my learners because I got a letter in the mail to say, hey, uh, P-platers, as of this date, are not allowed to drive a high-powered vehicle. Uh -huh. So uh, it was only a couple of months away and I, I was able to drive a, a Turbo Sylvia or a Turbo Skyline or a a Turbo WRX or a Supra or any of those cheaper Japanese alternatives that are mostly quite expensive now. Um, but uh, I had to buy a non-turbo, Sylvia. 
but uh, I still love it. Still a great car. And uh, you really don't need a lot of power to have fun in a car. It does a lot of other things quite well. Legal fun, right? Well, the thing is... <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is... Yes. I, I think we can all agree that uh, that you probably do some things when you're younger that you're not very proud of. Mm. And uh, and you look back and think, yeah, that probably wasn't the smartest decision. Mm. Um, but uh, I, back. I, <laughs> I uh, yeah, definitely scared uh, a couple of my friends, unfortunately. <laughs> uh one in particular who came to my wedding party he brings it up all the time yeah. <laughs> but um no i was uh lucky that uh i didn't have any uh you know any serious accidents or or anything like that but uh yeah just need to be more sensible on the road now um i'm a bit older and a bit more mature and uh i actually did a a research project in year 12 uh on my research project was on reckless driving Okay. And I sort of wanted to understand um, more about it, more behind the the psyche of why people do it, why people do it where they do it, and understand some solutions to, um, you know, combat the problem because mm-hmm. it's a problem, mm. people driving recklessly on public roads. Mm. It's not right. And, um, and uh, you know, a big thing... Uh, like we have now, we have uh, a motorsport park out at Tailand Bend mm. uh, called the Bend Motorsport Park that, uh, that is the biggest facility and the second longest permanent racetrack in the whole world. So it took a very long time to South Australia to, to catch up and get a good track for people who want to drive fast and want to, you know, learn skills in their car, a place to do it. And uh, I'm doing that now. I've been doing that for a you know, a long time mm. um, on the weekends and and having fun with my cars. And that's done under control conditions, uh, safety gear, and you've even brought yeah. some uh, so some can, of that with you. Most uh, most days when you go to the track, you need one of these. So this is a uh, motorbike helmet. Yeah, um, it's basically the same as a race helmet. This one is just not uh, fire retardant. Um, so I haven't competed in any championships. Um, in motorsport, I've sort of done bits and pieces in different events and uh, tried lots of different things. Um, so this is what you need for most of your uh, most of your days when you're out at the track. Yeah, we'll put that over there. And, this uh, table is getting very full, so you've got a black helmet here that you've brought in with us. Yeah, full yes. enclosed with a with a visor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you so you can go out there and you can you Pretty can solid. learn some skills. Uh, you can um, have a good run and you do it say you know, under under mm. control conditions. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, you can drive the car as fast as you possibly want. Um, I've got up to two hundred and thirty kilometers an hour down the main straight at Taylor Bend, and uh, there's nowhere um, here at least. There's only one place in the world where you can can do that on on a public road and that's in germany so uh it's it's a place that you need to go if you want to drive fast mm, safely um, yeah absolutely safely. Um, safely. so when you were coming to the end of your schooling time you've done your research project you look into reckless driving did you have any idea of what you wanted to do or who you wanted to be when you left school so i had always had an interest in business business world and uh, I actually got best in subject for 
in year 12 for business and enterprise. I got an advanced diploma in business, advanced diploma in marketing, um, and uh, did that straight after school. Uh, by the time I'd done that, because I did work very hard at school, obviously getting some quite good grades in year 12. And, um, and I spent another uh, year and a half studying as well. Mm -hmm. I sort of had enough to study and had a bit of a, I wanted a break from study and I wanted to just work and, uh, and sort of get some experience out there and then sort of get back into the business side, which I, I did later on, um, a few years later. So worked out well. We have many people come in and they say they finished school and they didn't know what they want to do or they took a gap year or anything like that. You, you didn't do any of that. You just went straight in and you kept studying. Made sense. Instead of getting out of the uh, out of the groove of studying just to do it for a bit more, I just pushed myself to do a bit more study. Even though by the time I finished year twelve, I sort of had enough. I had a bit of a break over summer, which is great. Um, but I pushed through and got some good grades in um, in uh, in my study. Uh, but by the time I did that um, and got those qualifications, I was I was ready to to just get out in the workforce and just do something else. Mm. I mean, I was always, always working part-time. I've always had two jobs ever since I was 16. Um, but as in working, uh, your typical Monday to Friday, uh, wanted to get some more hours and, and do something. So worked a fair few different jobs, lots of different places and learned lots of different things. Uh, even worked in uh, door to door sales for a while, right. which was a really good experience. Um, Vacuum cleaners. No, I was uh, <laughs> not vacuum cleaners. Wow, it's the first thing that comes to your mind. Yeah, yeah. Have cleaners. you ever had someone come to your door and tell you a vacuum cleaner? <laughs> yes, and they stayed for a couple of hours and gave us a great demonstration. Of, uh... <laughs> but that wasn't you. Somehow I don't believe you. Oh, okay. true. true. Okay. Wasn't a window cleaner. No, someone came up and washed all your windows. No, he did, he did, did one room. He did okay, a very long I'm, time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop this right now. We will be back yes, right <laughs> after this and we'll hear more of Brett's story and how he wasn't selling vacuums <laughs> here on Life Bath. In Australia, juvenile arthritis affects one in 1,000 children. It's a silent yet common condition. Kids Arthritis is here to help support these children and their families. To help them, go to kidsarthritis.org. This has been a Raw Cut community service announcement. Welcome back to Life Bursts with Matt and Sarah. We're chatting with Brett today and no, he didn't sell vacuum cleaners. He went around door-to-door sales telling people about charity and things like that instead just to clarify for everybody who thought that maybe brett could come and vacuum their house like they did with matt's uh no that's not what that is disappointing but so you you that was just one of many other businesses where you've been working lots of part-time jobs along the way Uh, where did you move into from there uh i got a job at a gym and uh it was was a brand new gym uh at the north of adelaide and uh it was pretty good to work there got full use of the facility and met lots of great people but also understood a little bit more about the industry and uh didn't really agree with uh, the way they were going about things there so i wasn't there for too long um and, and then, then i moved. then i moved on to uh construction wow you've done everything right okay i had a friend 
that was working in construction at the time. Um, he was uh, earning a lot of overtime and uh, it was quite good money for a young person. So I just decided why not, I'll just go out and do that. Um, I only needed to do a course for three days to get the qualification for, for the job at the time. Um, it was in traffic control. Mm -hmm. So most <gasps> people so know that as someone else, uh, someone holding a giant lollipop. That's yeah. and stop on one side and slow on the other side. Yeah. Yes. So is it true that you eat like pies and pasties and drink iced coffee and a lot like of, A lot of people asleep? I worked with did, yes. Okay. I, I wasn't, wasn't really part of that trend, but uh, okay. often uh, on the way to the work sites, they'll pick up a nice coffee and a pie and eat that on the way to the work site and mm. this and that and watch eight people dig one, watch one person dig a hole while eight people watch. <laughs> that does happen, unfortunately. Do you get abused as much as people say? Um, I think the abuse is quite funny, actually. Okay, right. <laughs> uh, most people who, uh, who actually abuse you uh, doing so from the seat of their car with the window down about this much and yell out the window as they're driving past. Mm. So uh, I don't really hear what they say. Mm. <laughs> it's kind of just a bit of uh, a rabble yeah. <laughs> that comes out the window that's that's actually quite funny. So, uh, so just don't no one No one was uh, was keen enough to say it to my face, just, uh, just people passing by and, and getting annoyed. Um, but uh, it was quite a good job. I learned a lot. And it plays in quite well to, to what I'm doing now. I learned a lot of things um, about uh, the road and how some people are quite good at following the rules and, and some people are quite happy to drive through a stop sign mm. right next to you as you're holding the, the stop sign up in your hand. Mm. Um, so you, you meet a lot of different uh, people on the road in that work. Yeah. So you uh, did you continue to study through this as well? You were also... At that time, I was working about 70 or 80 hours a week. Wow. Um, so that was quite good. Uh, I finished study at that stage. And then later on, actually, while I was working in construction, I uh, got an offer to do a course um, in uh, on Curry Street uh, through a um, not-for-profit. They ran a unique course. Uh, called Bizified, and that basically went through, a, uh, I can't remember how many weeks it was, it was I think two or three months, one day per week, and we had, no it wasn't one day per week, it was more than that, um, three days per week. What did you learn at this course? Yeah, so it was a, a small business management a social media marketing course. Oh, cool. Okay, and so covering had, a big, yeah. big gambit of things. And we had um, a lot of people come from the industry and talk to us and train us in mm. their field. So we had a person come from social media, a person who come from public speaking, a person who came who came from uh, web design. So. Uh, and how old were you? Like you've done like so much up to this point, and you're still quite young. Twenty. Twenty-one. Mm. So you've done all of this stuff in twenty-one years. That's yeah. heaps. Yeah. That's a lot to pack had into of, 21 years. I had a lot of careers and as I, I worked quite hard, I was working two jobs and, mm. and always keeping myself busy. busy. Um, so got a lot of new experiences and uh, I learnt quite early 
um, just to take opportunities when they when they come, and you never know what's going to come from it. I uh, went through that course, uh, finished the course, and uh, it was about six months later uh, there was a job opening at that same uh, organization, and uh, I applied for the job, and I remember when I was running when I was at the course, and there was uh, the lady that was facilitating it. I was like, oh, wow, wouldn't it be cool to do what she does? Like, teach these young people, learn a few things herself and and really help help people. I enjoy helping people. And uh, and I applied for that job and six months later I was running the course that I went through six months prior. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So, awesome. uh, so that worked, worked really well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously I had some other qualifications behind me as well and mm-hmm. some other experience. So I ran that course um, for a little bit. Uh, at that organization and and yeah definitely enjoyed it mm. definitely enjoyed it and uh and helped a lot of people along the way there was a point that sort of you came to this point in your life where something changed inside of you you started exploring something a mm-hmm. little different tell us about that uh so growing up in a household uh where God wasn't spoken about. Um, the only experience that I had was at school. Um, they shared uh, what the Easter story is and why we have Christmas. It's big parts of our culture. So uh, I was curious to know more about it. And as I said before, uh, just always be open to new things and try new things. Mm-hmm. So I uh, did a lot of my own research. I attended a really good course called Alpha, um, and that taught me a lot about uh, the Christian faith. And I learned a lot about it, and spoke to a lot of people, and and it was a as uh, a fair few experiences in my life that even if I was denying the fact that God exists. There was no denying that God exists through the experience that I've personally had in my life. So with all that together, I decided to um, explore the Christian faith and uh, end up being baptised uh, a couple of years ago. Right. Yeah. So was that a, a, a surprise to those around you who'd seen mm-hmm. you grow up, that you'd made this choice, made this decision? Yeah. A lot of the people around me, it was a big surprise. I was not surrounded by almost anybody that was a, a Christian or, or of or of any faith for that matter, really. Um, so they were a little bit surprised. Uh, I didn't really talk about it too much as I was going through it. I sort of like to learn a lot and go through things and experience things and then sort of when I make that decision or, or work it out, I'm, I'm ready to share about it. But um, at the time, I was still sort of working things out Still wasn't sure if it was for me or if it was the right thing. Still doubting things um, that happened in my life and and where that those things came from. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, in the end, it was uh, it was unquestionable right. in my mind. And how has that changed your outlook on mm-hmm. on life? I mean, you're already mm-hmm. developed resilience through scouts and things you'd done before. You'd already mm-hmm. had some good tools, uh, but uh, how did this change your outlook on things forward? It's just a, a a sense of peace that I've never had before. I think 
anyone that you ask that's became become a Christian uh, will tell you that they've developed a sense of peace, and that's definitely true for myself as well. Uh, there's a lot more tools in my toolkit when I get stuck or get in trouble or need some help. I did find it very difficult to reach out for help um, when I needed it. Um, I always thought I could do things myself. A lot of things I can do myself, but uh, when you've got uh, someone or something there with you, uh, it, it's why not use that resource? Why, why not call upon that? Mm. There's no reason not to. Mm. Mm. Very powerful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, yeah. Brett. Yeah. Well, when we come back, we're going to hear more of Brett's story. This is Life Bursts with Sarah and Matt. Raw Cut is also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter with the handle Raw Cut AU. This is Life Burst. We've been chatting to Brett. And now, Brett, there was another significant moment in your life, and uh, it involved uh, well, the three of us that are here in this room and in kind of almost the same arrangement that we are here, <laughs> uh, funnily enough. Uh, but uh, yeah, tell us about a special person in your life and how they, you know, what am I talking about? Yeah, that, please put, tell us all about it. You put that together quite well, Matt. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, tell us. No, this uh, lovely lady sitting over here, I'm married to. She's very lovely. Thank <laughs> you. I am lovely, yes. <laughs> I no. am lovely. We get along quite well. Yeah. And, uh, so how long had Sarah been a part of the story? I met Sarah when I was 18. Mm-hmm. So you've been around for most of the story, haven't you, Sarah? Most of that adventure. You, none of you figured it out. Maybe. So I knew. <laughs> That's I knew. You're uh, keeping this from us, weren't you, Matt? Yeah. So uh, through a lot of um, those business choices, training, those decisions, um, Sarah was there alongside you. Yeah. No, she's been an amazing support um, the whole way and she's uh, she's been there um, when I've needed her and uh, and uh, has just, just been, you know, that's why we're married. We support each other. Mm. Yeah. And at what point did you think this is, this is forever? I'm going to marry this one. <laughs> Uh, I suppose when we're in the same arrangement um, at the church. I was right there. The yeah, I was like, right, okay. this is. <laughs> this is it. No, I'm going back now. No, uh, you know, I, I made a decision. We proposed at a, at a, I proposed at a nice place um, that we both spent a bit of time at uh, Mount Lofty Botanic Gardens, a nice, beautiful spot as, a, as the sun sets. Mm. And uh, yeah, we got married not too long later um, in a, Adelaide Hills Church. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, yeah, one of my really good friends, Matt, was there. He mm. was uh, there for the ceremony and uh, and was there uh, for a lot of my help. Uh, was there um, and was a lot of help and asked a lot of questions, answered a lot of questions for me as I was uh, exploring my Christian faith. So thanks, Matt. Pleasure. Yeah. And uh, the reason we were in this arrangement is, is I am an ordained minister as well. I, I am able to celebrate weddings, so that, that explains that. We'll just turn this way, okay, yeah, and then it'll right. be. We, we could reenact we'll hold that, hand. That, that would take a, 
Maybe another time. We can renew our vows later, can't yeah, we? Yeah, that's, that's right. it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, a couple of years ago now, the the wedding? Yep. Yeah. And uh, where where has life taken you since? What are some of the adventures you've been on uh, together uh, and also just in your own career? Wow. Um, so we have... Uh, we moved down to the city, so I dragged Sarah out of a nice country villa, and we yeah. uh, we spent some time down in suburbia, yeah. and enjoyed the conveniences. And you did. <laughs> you also enjoyed the conveniences yeah. of of the city and uh, and enjoyed it. And and uh, we're back up in the country now. I have always liked the country, and uh, quite quite uh lucky to be able to know someone and drive a lot through the adelaide hills because it's quite fun driving through the adelaide hills mm. uh, i've got a couple of cars that i like driving through the adelaide hills and uh on the, on the racetrack so uh, that's where we're spending a lot more of our time now and you're still working uh, what are some of the business ventures you've been able to get into more, most recently yes yeah, so uh i've done a few things some that i was passionate about and some that i weren't so passionate about mm. And uh, the thing that really, the the thing is, is you're, you're not going to be successful at something long-term if you're not passionate about it. Mm. And I am really passionate. I've been passionate about um, not only cars, um, driving fast, but also road safety. Um, I work in road safety now. I run defensive driving courses uh, and I help uh, teach people uh, post-license uh, to be safer drivers on the road. That's something I'm really passionate about and I really see an impact um, the feedback we get is always amazing and uh, people are very, very um, happy that they've came to um, our courses uh, and have really opened their eyes as to some of the, you know, some of the good habits they have on the road, but a lot of the bad habits they have on the road. And, and uh, unfortunately, uh, road accidents happen in an instant and there's no rewind button. So mm. having the skills and the tactics for you to deal with the situations that they, when they arise, the emergency situations uh, is invaluable and, and, and people have, you know, really noticed that. So, Brilliant. Great that you're able to combine your passion with, with your work now, the things that mm-hmm. have led up to this point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And alongside that, you've yes. another passion as well, your sport. Are you the footy. S- still kind of able to, to, to dabble in that in a, in a very different way. Yeah. So uh, I never... Uh, played in the SNFL, but uh, I have uh, attended many, many hundreds of football games over the last 10 years. Uh, in high school, I started working at Amy Stadium and spent the last three years working at Amy Stadium before it closed down and, and AFL uh, amalgamated to Adelaide Oval. Uh, I've been there ever since, um, got to do some quite amazing things. I've uh, worked uh, for quite a long time along the boundary of Adelaide Oval and uh, got to rub shoulders with some of the, the best footballers um, in Australia, you know, Brownlow medalists like Adam Goods I've gotten to speak to, um, Brian Lake I've had a really good chat with, uh, Eddie Betts, um, Rory Sloan, Taylor Walker. Um, the, the list is, is mm-hmm. endless. All the, all, the, um, all the people that I'm able to, to meet and, and, uh, and interact with and, and it's just a it's just a great place to work. Yeah. Um, and you even get to throw in your love for driving there occasionally too, right? Yes, I was uh, when they uh, restructured um, 
uh, who was driving the medical car. Uh, if anyone got an injury on the field, um, I was at the top of the list. So I was the first one to use the uh, the medical cart and I was on the front page of the sports on the start of 2019 mm-hmm. and uh, uh, taking Jack Watts off the field with a broken leg. Mm. Uh, so, you know, that's quite a, a thrill when you're out there in the middle of the ground with 50,000 people cheering or booing that someone's getting taken off the field. Mm, but uh, no, I'm very, very blessed um, to be able to have those experiences. And and uh, another one of my passions that I'm able to to do um, and help people enjoy being at Adelaide Oval. Yeah. Wow. Such a life already. And I know I'm your wife, but it, it really <laughs> is just to hear it all laid out uh, here. It's great to be able to get it down on video to share with lots of other people. Mm. Now we've come to the end of our interview and in, the, and in the final one minute of today's show, if you had one piece of advice to share with everyone, Brett, here on Life First, what would that be? Drive a performance car because mm. they have better brakes and are better at avoiding obstacles. You said that so seriously, I just don't know how to take that. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, sure. Okay, great. Yep. Thank you, Brett. <laughs> No. Um, yeah, Times, okay. Uh, I feel that there's some more. Yeah, I, 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 like I, I think that uh, plays into the fact that uh, just have fun with life. Mm. And, you know, I drive performance cars because I enjoy them. Enjoy your life. Enjoy what comes your way. Take the opportunities that arise because you never know what comes from them. Mm. Excellent. Yes. Well, thank you, Brett. Great advice. Thanks, and Brett. Uh, thanks for sharing your your life, which we've got some elements of laid out oh, here laid out before us here. This is Life Burst. I'm Matt. And I'm Sarah. You can catch up with Life Burst wherever you get your podcasts from. You can also watch us on YouTube and Facebook, including listening on community radio and television. Thank you for joining us. Life Bursts is hosted by Matthew Karat and Sarah Freeman with production by Reese Jarrett and Kay Hoshraw-Ozadigan. For more episodes of Life Bursts, go to rawcut.com.au. This is a Rawcut production.